The lesson for this morning is from the second chapter of Matthew, beginning at the 15th verse, 9th verse through 15. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when, when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Here ends the lesson. Please be seated. Well, good morning. I'm Tim Householder. I'm one of the pastors here. Welcome. Uh, so great to have you here today. Um, I just want to start by saying Happy New Year. Thank you. Um, how many of you, by a show of hands, uh, have uh, launched into a New Year's resolution of some type? Anyone? Okay, good, good. It's always good to think about self-improvement and things. I uh, think it's good for accountability's sake to uh, share your resolutions so uh, then you're more accountable when you tell people about it. I, uh, it's no secret, every January I, I start to try to lose weight. So I uh, have a New Year's resolution of losing 15 pounds this year. And I started, I'm six days in, and uh, I can report that I've only got 20 pounds left to go. <laughs> Happy New Year. That is an interesting phrase. And it's a good phrase. I think we should say it. I think it's great. We, ask, we say Happy New Year to people. I think that's a good thing to do. But when we just pause sometimes in life and think about what we're saying, I think that's kind of an interesting thing. We say Happy New Year. What are we saying to people? Are we asking, are we really wishing for 24-7, 365 days a year, a happy year? Like happy, like shiny, happy people happy? Like, like you're going to always have this feeling of euphoria and gladness? Because let's be honest, that's not life. Now, I'm not trying to rain on the parade of telling everyone Happy New Year, but let's be honest, this, we can't wish someone happiness for a new year. Happy? What, what does that even mean? How many of you uh, got in your vehicle on the way here today and said, I hope Pastor Tim teaches some ancient Greek? All right, I saw two hands and I only believe one of you. So... We're going to learn our ancient, the New Testament was first penned in what's called Koine Greek or Ancient Greek. It's kind of like the Old English version of English now. And so the word I want to put on the screen is makarios. Everyone want to say makarios. Makarios, that P-looking word near the end there throws you off, but that's the R sound in Koine Greek. So let's say again, makarios. This is a word that can be defined as happy, but it's got a deeper, richer uh, connotation, uh, blessed, 
Makarios is blessed. It's not just happy. We're not just talking now about happy. We're talking about a blessedness. And it's a blessedness attached to God distributing his gifts of grace, his, his favor upon us. So when Jesus in the Beatitudes in the Gospel of Matthew is talking about blessed is the one who, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those when people persecute you and say all kinds of things about you because of your faith, you know, blessed. This is the word used, makarios. It's not happy. We're not talking about being happy. We're talking about being blessed. Blessed with God's favor. Blessed with God's grace. Blessed with God's promises from Scripture. Blessed and living in God's favor. Because we know happy depends on how much sleep we got the night before. Happy depends on how much we've had to eat or not eat that particular day. Happy depends on what happens at Soldier Field this afternoon at 3.40. Amen? But that's not Makarios. Makarios is a blessedness that runs deeper beneath the highs and lows of life. Every year, we've just had our annual household blessings. They're not household happies. We don't have you come up and we don't pray for happy. We're not just every day be happy, 24-7 be happy. Although that would be wonderful, that's not real life. And so what would this year look like if we had a blessed New Year, if we had a blessed 2019, a makarios, a blessing of God's grace and promises and favor in our lives that runs deeper than the highs and lows of life. Family is a powerful, powerful thing. We all know that. You don't need me to tell you that. But what about those who don't have it? What about those who've gotten through the holiday season once again, and they haven't had family. Take a look at a story of this college student from about four or five years ago who was just that person, and she did something about it. At William Jessup University near Sacramento, there's a junior who seems to have it all. <laughs> Jackie Turner has straight A's. What y'all up to? Good friends and a big heart. You can do it. She works part-time as a tutor and eventually wants a career helping troubled kids. Her future is definitely bright, but the clouds still roll in every December. This time of year is hard. Everyone's talking about their cousins, their families, the, all the things that make up Christmas. Jackie says she doesn't have any of that and never did. Tell me some of your pleasant memories of childhood. Okay. None? I remember being locked up and locked in rooms, and I remember getting beatings for stealing food. Born to a mother she never met and a dad she wished she hadn't, Jackie says she was abused, neglected, and starved. Very good. She's been able to move on, for 11 months out of the year at least. But that 12th has always posed a problem, which is why this year she decided to take action. This hurting, you're tired of it, what are you going to do? And I was like, Craigslist. <laughs> That's right. She said Craigslist. Where most people go to find a new apartment or used car, Jackie went looking for a happier holiday. Specifically, her classified said, I want to rent a mom and dad. 
maybe for a couple of hours, just be like the light of their life for that moment. You were going to pay? Yeah, eight bucks just to sit, which for a college student is affordable. She got dozens of responses, about half from parents who wanted to help, for free, of course, and about half from other young people who felt the same way she did. People are hurting and broken, and, like, we need, we need each other, and we need to be loving people, and I think that's what tonight's about. Jackie held a meeting for all the people who contacted her. The purpose? To pair up the needy with the needed to make sure no one in this room feels alone this holiday season. This matters. Jackie made about a half a dozen matches that night, including one for herself. Thank you. A woman from University Student Services named Anita Hermsmeyer. Oh my gosh. Found my mentor. <laughs> Jackie went into this thinking she wanted to rent a family. Thank you, Anita. You're welcome. Now, she's creating them. December's looking brighter already. Steve Hartman, on the road, near Sacramento. The power of family, the gift of family. Sometimes the people closest to us that we take for granted. A person like Jackie didn't even know what that meant in her life. And now fast forward the tape, she is uh, working and employed uh, at a, as a 28-year-old and she is working at a nonprofit ministry that helps moms and children who are homeless uh, escape that and find employment and find homes. And she is using her life now because she knows the power of family to better the lives of other families, moms and children living on the streets. The power of family. So often we can take our family for granted. This series is called Family First. It's a play on words. We know our relationship with the Lord comes first. But family first is a phrase we're all familiar with. And it's maybe a good thing as we start a new year to think about our family relationships first. To think about what those look like. And so this series next week, we're going to spend some time looking at marriage and so I want to encourage you to come back and hear that, that's, that message. And then we're going to talk about siblings. So bring the kids. And adults, um, we are, many of us have brothers and sisters, so we're going to touch on that as well. And then the last part of the series, we're going to talk about what St. Paul talks about is the Christian family, the body of Christ, the brothers and sisters in Christ. Some of you came up for household blessings with friends in this church because they're your family. And so the last part of this series, we're going to talk about the Christian community. But by way of just launching out today, I want to start with a quote uh, by Desmond Tutu, uh, the South African theologian. He said this, you don't choose your family. Now, I know we can do that with a spouse, but just go with the, go with the quote. You don't choose your family. They are God's gift to you as you are to them. Let that sink in. You don't choose your family. Those of you who've just experienced the holidays with your in-laws, can I get an amen on that? I'll let it out. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah, I know. I was there too. They are God's gift to you, as you are to them. What 2019 look like if you launched into it thinking about your family and remembering them 
as God's gift to you. And if that's true, then you're God's gift to them. Would that change anything for you? A sibling that drives you crazy is God's gift to you. A spouse where the relationship is a bit strained, God's gift to you. Your parent driving you crazy at any age, kids, adults, God's gift to you and you to them. Might that change how we live our lives as people of faith? Let's think about that. And I want to start at the very beginning. Genesis 2, 24, the very first book of the Bible. We have um, the creation story. And the creation story, I've often used the metaphor of a parent putting together a dollhouse for their child, and you spend hours upon hours putting that thing together and making sure the elevator goes to the top floor and putting the thousand stickers all in the right place. Anyone, amen? You put it together, why? So your child can put what in the dollhouse? The dolls, you get it all ready. You get it all ready so they can play with, and the creation story, God did the same thing in a manner of speaking. He set everything in motion. He put uh, day and night, he put earth and sea, he put um, the ecosystem in motion, he spun the planets going, he got vegetation, and then he created all the animals, and then once it was all set up, the last thing he made, his most precious part of creation, humankind. And with that in mind, in 224, the second chapter of the Bible, we read, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one what? Flesh. There is a physical, spiritual, emotional connection as that family begins. Man, woman, physically together, emotionally together, spiritually together. And we know from Biology 101, this creates family and then generations and generations and generations. You're sitting here because of this verse. You are a creation of God's plan for humankind. And into this family, into God's plan for this incredible part of his creation, we enter this new year thinking about our families and our relationships therein. If we think about the Old Testament then from Genesis moving forward towards the New Testament, every story in the historical books is about family. God calls Abraham and Sarah in their old age, way past childbearing years, and says, I'm going to start a nation through you. And they laugh at him. They name the kid Isaac, which means he laughs. And they have Isaac, and then Isaac uh, has uh, his twins, and the twins go on. And then they have, uh, you know, Jacob moves on and has all the, the kids who's going to be the tribes of Israel, and Joseph and the crazy coat and all that. It's all about family. 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 The power of family. And if you read, I want to encourage you to go back in the Old Testament in Genesis and start reading forward and, and just 
embrace the story of family and God's hand in those families and God's provision in those families and his protection over those families and how God wills for those families to love one another and nurture one another and bring reconciliation and forgiveness to one another. It's just this incredible story of family. The Old Testament is a story of the human family. But let's jump to today's text. 2-9. We've already heard it, read, and it's great to kind of, after Christmas, kind of revisit some of the stories of when, before Jesus became a man. We, in, we meet Jesus now as a child. He's in Bethlehem. He's with his parents living in a house. We don't know other details than that. But here's, here's what happens. Verse 9, after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Pause. Who's they? Anyone? The wise men. The magi. Jump up to verse 2 in chapter 2. Actually, the end of 1. After Jesus, well, let's just read one. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east, or wise men, came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. Of course he was disturbed. He's the king. And these, these distinguished visitors from the Far East are coming and they're showing up in town going, where's the one born king of the Jews? And Herod's like, uh, I thought that was me. And Herod, out of his fear and, and out of his, well, pure evil, he ordered the death of kids two and under in that community to take out this child. But we'll get to that in a minute. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The magi come into the house. These distinguished people Philosophers, scientists, maybe even priests, scholarship will wrestle with who exactly these, these men are in their entourage. But what we do know is they came from the east. The Israelite mind would be thinking they're from way over there. I mean, as far as the corners of the earth. And that, the author of Matthew wants you to know, this is a child born for all nations, not just one. He is the king of kings, the lord of lords for all people. And they enter in, and they come in, and the first thing they do is they bow down and worship this toddler. Now, I don't want to ruin your nativity scene, but if you've got the three kings at the manger on Christmas Eve night, it's not exactly what we're reading here. Remember, Herod ordered two years and under, so there's probably this 18-month or so window since he's born, and so... We are talking about maybe Jesus being in that 8, 12 to 24 month range. So you can just nudge your wise men just a little bit further away from the manger scene next year. But they come and moms, dads, you have people coming over to see your, your child, right? They're usually people you know. These guys, distinguished guests from the Far East come in, wise men, magi, and they drop down 
and they worship your child? What are you thinking as a parent? Well, if you're Mary, you're remembering that the angel Gabriel came to you and said, you are favored with God. You are going to have a child. You will name him Jesus and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And later Gabriel says, he will be named the Son of God. He will be a king. In the, he will sit on the throne of King David and his kingdom will have no end. He will rule forever. Because in come these wise men, these magi, and the gifts they bring. Do you remember the gifts they bring from, uh, from the Bible or remember from the Christmas pageant? What do they bring? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let's think about that real quick. Gold. Gold. I don't know about you, but AJ and Lauren didn't get any hunks of gold from anybody when they were. They, no one walked in the door and said, Here, what was gold? Gold was a gift that was given to a king. A king. And Mary remembers this is royalty. He will sit on King David's throne and rule forever. His kingdom will have no end. A gift for a king. Frankincense. You hear incense in there? It's what priests use in the temple. A gift for a priest. Jesus, the great high priest, the shepherd, the great, uh, the great teacher of the faith, the rabbi. A gift for a priest. Myrrh. What is myrrh? Other than really fun to say, what is it? Myrrh, in Jesus' day, was a burial spice. A gift for someone who is going to die. What a strange gift for a child. But this child would be the savior of the world. This child would go to a cross for you and me. This child will pay the price for your sins that you and I could never pay. The perfect sacrifice for our sins on the cross. And by faith in him as our Lord and Savior, the one who delivers us from sin and death, we are completely forgiven by God's grace and we live in that promise. And Mary, as these gifts are being laid down at the feet of her newborn child who's now who knows exactly how old, but here's gold, a gift for a king. Here's frankincense, a gift for a priest. Here's myrrh, a burial spice for someone who is a, who's going to die. And she must have pondered those things continuously in her heart. Pick up the text in 13. When they had gone, the wise men left. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. said, get up, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So Joseph got up, took the child and, his, and Mary during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. So Joseph, Mary, and the child Jesus head to Egypt in the middle of the night. What did Joseph do there? He heard God's voice and he was obedient. Notice those two things holding hands here in this text. He didn't just listen to God's voice and roll over and go back to sleep. He got up and they took off. He heard God's voice and he responded by faith and obedience and he left and they were off and they waited till it was safe to come back to fulfill the scriptures of the Old Testament. I want to 
wrap up here this morning with a couple, three things then for our, our families to think about for 2019 based on, on some of the scripture we've just gone through together. And the first thing is listen for God's voice. Mary did it when Gabriel showed up and said, you're going to have a child. He will be the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He will be called the son of God. Joseph heard it in this dream in today's text. They're listening for God's voice. How hard is that for us to do in 2019 in the lives we live, in the busyness, in the, rec- in the, in the, in the recklessness, in the hecticness? Is that a word, hecticness? It, to, to pause and listen for God. Reading Scripture. When Jesus speaks in the Gospels, God speaks. God's Word is living and active. It creates faith. Are you engaging with the voice of God? Coming to worship, hearing God's voice in singing, in songs, in lyrics of the songs we sing, in the scriptures proclaimed. Hearing God's voice when we pray. When's the last time you prayed to God and stopped and paused long enough to listen for him to say something back? Cover to cover of the Bible, God speaks. We pray, we say amen, and we get on with pray. And listen for the voice of God. The next thing, maybe uh, the gift of family in 2019 is as families then remember God's promises. Mary remembered the promises. Joseph was told before the birth of Christ what was about to go down. Uh, Mary, marry her, uh, protect her. This is, this is God's plan to have this child. And now this dream in our text today. Go to Egypt. And, and so he's obedient and he remembers God's promises. What God said is going to come true, so I better do this. We live as people of faith, constantly being reminded of God's promises. We're going to have communion. You're all welcome to come forward in just a little bit. Jesus is truly present in the bread and wine, but also in the words of institution, we're reminded That he says, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. We remember God's promises in the sacrament. Families coming together forward to the table to receive the body and blood of Christ. Remembering that God is faithful. Remembering that he keeps his promises. Everyone say, God keeps his promises. The last thing is live together in God's grace. The gift of family. Living together in God's grace. Think about the grace of God first and foremost in your own life, in your own heart and soul, that gift of forgiveness through the cross. And now how do we return that to those closest to us? That means we're not keeping a scorecard of rights and wrongs with our family members. And if this family member does three more things that I don't like, man, am I going to get even? Oh, I'm going to show them, boy, they did that to me, so I'm going to do this back, and I'll let them, you know. That's not this. Grace is unconditional love and forgiveness in our homes, in our families, in our family relationships. Live together in God's grace. Because of what God has first done for us through the cross of his own son, his one and only son, Jesus Christ. Live together. In God's grace, offer grace to those in your home. Offer those to those closest to you. What would 2019 look like? What would the gift of family be like if we did these three things? I love the verse from Joshua in the Old Testament. He says this. He says, 
As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is one of our life verses in our home. As for me and my house, this is what we're going to do. We're not going to do it right all the time. We're going to sin. We're going to fall short. We're broken. We make mistakes. We hurt each other in our own family. But, but at the end of the day, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And maybe, just maybe, in 2019, if we listened more for God's voice, if we were reminded of his promises, and we lived in his grace and offered it to those in our families, what a blessed Makarios year 2019 might be. May we pray? Heavenly Father, we are your children. And as we think about family, it's uh, often very complicated, Lord, and, and, and very challenging. And yet, at the root of your creation, family is a gift. And Lord, in order to be your children, people of faith, May by your spirit in this new year, may we hear your voice. And Lord, may we commit to spiritual practices that remind us of your promises. Engaging with scripture, coming to worship and being reminded of your promises through word and sacrament. And Lord, most of all, as we live as people of faith, may we offer your grace, your grace and love and forgiveness to others. Lord, I pray for that one here today who's being so challenged by a family member to do just that. But scripture tells us with you all things are possible. Lord, stir that one to Live in grace and offer it freely. It's in Jesus' name I pray and we all said together, amen.